Two Nerds and a Joke with Robert and Ernie. Can you believe these guys have kids? Thank you, uh, disembodied hot girl voice. This is Two Nerds and a Joke with Robert and Ernie. I am Ernie. Hi, Ernie. And I'm Robert, as always. As always. As always. I've never changed. Well, I'm going to say, I don't know why you had to mention as well, always, but okay, we'll go with that. We'll go with it. We'll go with that. Um, we had a little hiatus. Tiny. Little, tiny hiatus, so sorry if you guys were out there waiting for the next installment of your favorite podcast. Favoritest ever. Ever. Yes. And thank you for Instagram, actually. Um, we're up to pretty significant numbers, like 30-something followers right now on Instagram. So, yay! Thank you, guys. We yes, thank you. continue to post and new content on there. Um, one thing I was able to do at least, because we did have Con. and uh, Supercon. Supercon, yes. Supercon down Miami. You may have seen some of the posts from that. Check us out on uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, all the usual sites. We have stuff and videos. Some really cool videos I got of uh, the two R2-D2s that were on Con. That was my fave. Yeah dancing together that was pretty sweet um but we will do a full special event podcast at some point of what happened at con and go through all the cool stuff and what i did and what my friends did and shout out to jls comics thank you for spending some time with us i saw the article you wrote it was awesome check out jls comics and you'll see the link to the article there as well um he had a very very nice things to say about owl's treasures and everything uh, about his experience with us there. So awesome there. But we just had some stuff we had to take care of. Each of us got really busy. Um, and uh, we're back now. So stop your whining. And what do we have today? We have a great interview with one of our friends of the podcast. Yes, Ron. Ron. Um, he is, we would call him a book professional nerd. Um, he knows tons of things about authors and books and um the interview we have with him that you're going to hear here in a second really goes in depth on movies that came from books in the nerd topics and nerd genres and his opinions on them and what was the best one that ever kind of translated over and stuff like that so really kind of cool um very um informative i would say wouldn't you yeah it was good yeah it was definitely a good interview um so we had a lot of fun with ron and what else we have before we go into it Anything else? Uh, we got some. You already mentioned the AfterCon special. Yes. Uh, we're, we're going to be posting up some uh, some more content. We're still looking for people who would like to be guests. Yes. So please. anybody who has any topics or anything that you like for us to discuss, uh, upcoming uh, down the pipe, we have a couple movies coming out. Ghostbusters. Yes. Ghostbusters is a big one. Well. Well. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Star Trek. Star Trek. I'm excited about the Star Trek. I think and. Suicide Squad, which we will be doing a lot of. Yes, stuff for. we're gonna we're gonna hit Suicide Squad heavy. Yes, that'll be the big one. That'll for be us. a big one. Yes. So summer, all you summer movie flicks. Oh, yes, <laughs> some of you Suicide Squad fans out there, if you guys want to pipe in and join us for a little roundtable discussion, be more than happy to. Or oh, yeah, yeah, That'd send in send in any photos that you may have, or if you dress up like maybe Harley Quinn or any of the other characters in the movie Deadshot. You know, are we okay other... with guys that are dressing as Harley? Quinn? I don't know. If you could pull it off, so I mean... be it. <laughs> <laughs> so be it if you can pull it off that would be funny that would be funny that would be awesome um, but yeah um, also one other side mention another little plug here for uh, JLS and Jesse Comics is you may have seen from his uh, site on YouTube um, he's actually doing Tuesday night comic book discussions every Tuesday I'm um, hoping that me and Ernie can get on there at least once to be part of his grand panel live 
And Ernie and I are looking at maybe doing something live in the near future, so keep your eyes and ears posted for that, um, just to kind of give it an experiment, try it out. So um, we also have a new thing that we are going to experiment with. Um, we did... Um, um, Twitter has Periscope, which is a live feed. So if you're on Periscope at all, come check us out. We're going to definitely do some stuff on there as well. So, so a new branch out for us. But I blather. Um, bloviate. Bloviate, excuse me. Bloviate. So, Ernie, are, are we ready here? I think we are. Let's roll the thingy. Let's roll the thingy. Tape! And Tape. here we go. Welcome, everyone, to Two Nerds and a Joke with Robert and Ernie. I am Ernie. And Robert. And we're here today to bring you another wonderful episode of our little somewhat weekly podcast. Well, it's still weekly, right? It is weekly, except for last week, which we're going to get into. Well, that's not our fault. No. Sure. <laughs> it's never our fault. Never our fault. But we do have a guest today. And you ungrateful listeners, it's a free podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're not charging you for these things. No. We're giving this to you free. Yes. Um, but yes, we do have a guest today. Um, his name is Ron. Friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. And Ernie, if you'll start us off with your glorious question that we love to hear. The one question I always ask all of our guests is, give me your bona fides. What makes you nerdy? Okay, what makes me nerdy? Oh, gee, where do I start? Well, first off, I didn't realize that at 50 years old, I'd be ending up on Sesame Street. I'm doing a podcast with Bert and Ernie, for God's sake. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, there you go. There's now, the joke. <laughs> now, what, what clarifies me as a nerd again, being 50, I, I'm sure I, I know I'm older than Robert. Uh, Ernie, I, I suppose I'm, uh, I'm older than you as well. I, think you, I don't think you're 37 yet. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Are you 50? I don't know. I don't know how old you are. You know, it's, again, it's through a phone. I can't see you, you know. I'll guess I'll be 37. Thank you, sir. Thank you for bringing that up. But, you know. <laughs> well, I That was enough. just an age. I didn't say that you were. I just, that was an age I threw out. You commented. I'm just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Yes, I... Now, as I was saying, as I was saying, I have, you know, I've been, you know, surrounded by sci-fi, you know, from the 60s and 70s at the height of cheesiness. Oh, wow. So, 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 there, so there's many layers. There's Gruyere, there's blue cheese, you know, some real stinkers. But uh, I've always had a love of sci-fi. Um, there was a series of books I read as a kid that I actually kept uh, the books themselves, quality pa uh, paperback books. Uh, the author was Alexander Key, hmm. and one of his, this book was called the Forgotten Door by Alexander Key. I don't know whether that's a pen name, that was the name. But I'm sure you've heard of his other books, his other works. Either of you see Escape to Witch Mountain? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Return to Witch Mountain? Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 These, are all, these are all written by Alexander Key. Wow. So, so yeah, I mean, there, there you go. There's your... There's your you're, you learn something new every day moment. <laughs> I, so I have, I have always... Love sci-fi. I remember a seventies TV sh uh, TV movie. I don't, for the life of me, remember what it is. But there's a listener out there that remembers it. The character ran around in a silver jumpsuit, and he derived his superpowers by light energy, by the sun. And at the end of the episode, 
he's saved by the light of a firefly from exploding from dynamite in a cave. That's all I remember as a kid about this movie, and I can't remember the name of it. It drives me crazy. It's a fantastic <laughs> movie as a kid. Wow. So, oh, that's awesome. That's, I that's, think that's my credentials. Do I, do I pass muster? Yeah, you definitely pass muster. <laughs> Um, now, uh, now, Ernie mentioned uh, one thing that I actually want to get in with you too, Ron, because I know this past weekend for a lot of folks um, was a little bit of an interesting one because a lot of us fathers um, had our kids for the weekend or quasi-had our kids or sort of had our kids or something like that. Uh, specifically, actually, if you don't mind me putting it out there, everybody, three men here, Ron, Ernie, and myself, who actually have children from a previous relationship. So we have that kind of sharing thing. And most exes, I, I hope most exes, um, you know, say, hey, it's Father's Day, you know, kick you out of the house, go spend time with Dad. Um, my kids had, I had my kids for a little bit longer than just Father's Day. I had them from Wednesday on, which is part of the reason why uh, the podcast didn't really happen um, last week. So sorry about that, guys. That's partially my fault, but it's not really my fault. Um, and then Ernie, you had your daughter for the week Weekend, week, weekend. Um, what about you, Ron? Did you end up having your uh, kid for the, the week, weekend? I had dinner with her on Thursday night. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. See, the, the ex had planned a long week away, leaving Friday morning over Father's Day weekend to head out of town to do a tour of uh, Florida and the Natural Springs, which I actually went camping at another park with uh, Beautiful Springs up at Kelly Park in Apopka, Florida. Mm. Great place to uh, spend the afternoon to cool off during the summer. We're highly recommended to everybody, Kelly Park. Nice. Beautiful place. Anyway, uh, she planned this uh, without realizing that the weekend was Father's Day. Ah. Now, I can't blame her because she's actually been going under some stress lately. We have two... Uh, mutual uh, people in, in in our life that uh, one is uh, is sadly in a hospice. Uh, Susan, I hope to God you're feeling better. You get better, but it doesn't sound good. Uh, and another friend is uh, in the hospital awaiting a heart transplant. Oh, so for for several weeks, you know, she was back and forth to the hospitals with my daughter, who was very upset about the whole thing. So you know, she was she was uh, you know. I, I can't be mad at her. You know, no. it's, it's what you know. It's time to get away, and you know, I'll always have my daughter. So, God willing, God You're, bless. You yes, know. absolutely. And and Ron, for your daughter, have you passed along any of those nerd bona fides, as as Ernie would put it, to her? Does she share in any of your nerd love books or otherwise? Oh, I've tried. I've tried. <laughs> She's a lost cause. Oh no. She's a lost cause. I have a very close friend of mine who uh, we grew up together. We grew up loving Star Wars, uh, the Evil Dead movies. We we, we saw Army of Darkness, Evil mm. Dead Three. Bruce Bruce uh, Campbell in the theater when it came out fell off the seat, laughing our asses off. We grew up both of us with this love of sci-fi movies. His daughter, his kids march in the Disney parades for the Star Wars vacation. Oh. His daughter's on the website, just as Leia. His family, they got all the, 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 the banners with the pins and all that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't want to read Harry Potter. Well, you got to read the book. I gave her the first three books of Harry Potter. 
you, you got to read these books. They're fantastic. I don't want to read them. I saw the movie. I didn't like um Star Wars. Well, I saw it. It was okay. You made me watch it. <laughs> I seems all right. So, oh, unfortunately, man. the nerd dies with me. I'm, I'm the last surviving nerd. It's wow, that is sad. That's sad. I mean, because oh, I mean, man, that's heart wrenching, man. That's heart wrenching. Because hey, even you, you know? Ernie, your daughter's trying to get herself a, what was it, a storm tro- pink tor- stormtrooper costume? Yeah, she wants Black to be bull. pink Vader. She wants to be pink Vader. Pink Vader. That's <laughs> cool. It's, it's I might something. be able to help you out. I got the name of, of a company that specializes in costumes. I know they they specialize in like for Renaissance costumes, costumes, but I think they do all type of cosplay. So if you really need, if you're serious, I mean, oh, I got connections. I know people. I know a lot of people out there. I've been <laughs> around go. the block a few times. I, you know, I got the credentials to prove it. I'm telling you. Oh, well, that's why we do this, man. We got to open up the world to this. I mean, we just can't just keep this to ourselves. We have to spread this around. Yeah. Well, it was it was funny. My daughter took down all her Frozen posters this weekend. She's like, I'm done with Frozen, and she put up Ant Man and a Batman poster, <laughs> and Good she's girl. and she wants me at con. Her favorite character of all is the Hulk. Actually. She absolutely loves the Hulk, and she wants some posters of the Hulk. And she's like, if the if the Hulk is there, or the guy who draws the Hulk is there, I want an autograph and all this stuff. And my son's all into um, Attack on Titan. So there's going to be some people there from Attack on Titan at the con in uh, July. So he wants a whole bunch of that stuff. So it's I, thankfully, and it's funny because my ex is not really that nerdy. She She has some book love and things like that, but... Um, the the person I'm currently with, she's all nerdific, so it's kind of weird. You get kind of I've kind of converted from non-nerd life to a nerd life, and kind of dragged the kids along with me, which is kind of fun. And you know, she's not close to it, my ex, but she's definitely not like going out watching Star Wars on binge and things like that. So it's kind of an interesting mix um, with me and the kids now being able to be that nerdy. Um, one of the things that we all do, um, I think, is, and you mentioned already, Ron, was reading books. So, um, obviously, you mentioned a couple of movie book translations. What, in your mind, because you're well-read, I know that, is a really good conversion, where a book converted over to a movie and was actually pretty decent and wasn't, you know, completely off-base from where it's origin. One of my favorites uh, has to be... Uh, the uh, uh, um, uh, Silence of the Lambs. Oh, uh, I, I can't, I'm drawing a blank on the uh, author's name. Uh, Thomas Harris, I believe. Uh, he wrote uh, he wrote Silence of the Lambs, which everybody loves. You know, Jodie Foster, Anthony Hopkins, and everything. Um, but the, the, the adaptation of that from uh, book to movie, I thought was fantastic. Uh, more so for the fact that the screenplay uh, uh, version of it won for Best Picture. I mean, that that speaks right there. Wow, yeah. You know, how how good of a translation it was. Even better, uh, his other book, um, which everybody, you know, fails to, uh, doesn't remember, or doesn't uh, think about, um, the first book in the series was Red Dragon made into a movie, mm-hmm. uh, Manhunter, by Michael Mann, uh, Rick, Richard Peterson, I think, was the actor. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I remember Manhunter, yes. I remember that yeah. one. Because that tells that was, the story of Dr. Hannibal Lecter doing the crimes, right? Well, actually, it's, uh, it, Manhunter was, was in the search for uh, a different uh, killer, and uh, Hannibal Lecter is introduced in that. Because they created... Uh, it, was Brian Co- it was the actor Brian Cox who was Hannibal Lecter. So Brian Cox, you know, orig- originated the role did a very sinister uh, version of it, a very good version. I highly recommend, if you haven't seen it in a while, Manslaughter was very good. And then they remade it, I think, with Ray Fiennes as uh, Red Dragon. And it was a pretty good adaption as well. They also so, did a Red Dragon in 2002 with mm-hmm. the um, original cast as a remake um, of it as well with um, uh, by Brett R- Rather, Radler, I think it is. Brett Radler? Yeah, he Brett was the director on that one. And it had the the regular cast, Anthony Hopkins, etc. So they remade it to kind of fit into the Silence of a Man Lamb movies. Of course, the only difference there is um, by the time he did Red Dragon versus Silence of the Lambs, it was kind of uh, he looked a little older. So it was kind of a an interesting way of doing it, but it it, it kind of worked. Uh, but, I, uh, I I. So that version with, with Ray Fiennes, that was directed by Brett Ratner. I don't remember who, who directed it, but it was on TV. I guess it was that one. Yeah. But it was good. It was, it was fantastic. It was a very, very good uh, version of it. That's, it's, those are interesting choices. Cause, you know, you think of the typical book-to-movie, big, big book-to-movie stuff, um, you know, the sci-fi genre and stuff, and you don't... Everybody is always complaining about how off they are, how they miss the mark, or how... I mean, mm-hmm. you mentioned Harry Potter... You know, book to movies. The movies were great, um, and they covered a lot of the books. But there's just so much missing, you know. And there's some crucial pieces missing and switched around just slightly. Um, exactly, exactly. You can only do so much. Yeah, I think. But I think one of the things that that made that I didn't like in the Harry Potter series, at least for book to movie, was when Dumbledore died. That scene, mm-hmm. it, it made Harry in the movie version look like he was a coward. Where in the book he was actually under a spell and couldn't move. So yeah, that's kind point, of an interesting. Point. It's a subtle point, but that was one of those things. And a lot of times with movies and book translations, subtle little differences can change your view of a character. And if you're, you know, a fanboy or fangirl or fan person, whatever the term is, it can really kind of be like, really, guys, you really, um, you know, when it's that subtle little twist of a character. Okay. I, I have two other movies that I really enjoy uh, now, more so having experienced uh, the, the books. Uh, well, the first one is, is uh, Dune, the movie Dune, the Dino De Laurentiis. Oh, wow. In the 80s with McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. Very recently, I listened to an audiobook. It was like 23 hours or 29 hours of this book. <laughs> I was just going to ask you, don't tell me you read that book, because that was a hard read, even when I first tried to read it in the 80s. Exactly. I was a kid. I, I was, I was uh, very, you know, I was afraid to read such a thick book. I mean, I didn't think I'd understand it. It was, you know, thick and daunting. But I listened to it in audio form, and I highly suggest there are many versions uh, for audiobooks, a lot of people, a lot of people will be accessing this broadcast, accessing it through YouTube. You can uh, find fantastic audiobooks listed on YouTube. Check them out. Look for an audiobook of your favorite book. Chances are you'll find an audiobook. 
Hmm. Or check out Audible. Uh, is a is a very good uh, uh, program. Uh, I use also. Uh, I get uh, audio books all the time, and it's really really uh, nice because you get you know sixteen, eighteen, twenty hours. I walk my dog, and I listen as I, to to a chapter. I'm listening now to uh, uh, the the Grass Tyson hmm. uh, talking about uh, the the creation of the universe, breaking it down, uh, talking about now the. Uh, elements on the periodic chart and how where they are in space and and whatnot fascinating stuff but i listened to dune on the audiobook watched the movie and for what they were working with they did a really nice uh version you know brought it to, to teleplay they you know had to change yeah. things around they had to you know do what they needed to do because it's so vast yeah well, that's the thing. It, it's it's the cutting down of what do you cut out also when you get to yeah. book that lanes. They also did a TV series, I believe, of Dune as well, a three-part series back in, yeah, I want to say 2000, something like that. Yeah, it was in the late 90s, early 2000 on the Sci-Fi Channel. That would be uh, an interesting program to rewatch. I know I had it. I recorded it on VHS tape. Working with it, I still have it in a box <laughs> in my storage somewhere. Nice. Um, but uh, they did a really nice version of it. They really did. Yeah, I, I hadn't watched. I haven't watched the TV version oh, again in in ages. But I, I remember seeing it on there sometimes. But that's a lot of things too. Is um, one of the other mo- modalities they do with books in in um, converting it over is not to movies but to TV miniseries. Um, yeah. They've done that a couple of times. Not always as successfully, I feel. Um, as they did with with this with the movies and the bigger budgets. I mean, sci-fi has definitely tried its hand at that again with the Dune and a few others that they've run mm-hmm. that are based off books. But uh, you have that whole quasi okay acting that kind of sometimes falls a little flat. I I mean, I love variations on the Oz story, um, and they did what was it Tin Man? I think was uh, a sci-fi. I mean, yeah. And I just, I just didn't, I just didn't like it. The, and I, I think the story was good. I just don't think the acting was great, and that kind of turned me off it a little bit. Yeah, I can definitely understand if the actors don't represent what the what the book character is. A uh, perfect example being uh, Tom Cruise and the Lee Childs movies, the, the the Jack Reacher character. Jack Reacher's character is six foot two, two hundred and eighty pounds of solid muscle, former <laughs> MP. He's <laughs> a little bit shorter than that. Just a hair, <laughs> just a touch, just yeah. a wee bit. Yeah. No. Well, <laughs> he did pull it off. He did do a good job, and they're making a, they're making a, another one, another Jack Reacher movie. I was pleasantly uh, surprised with Jack Reacher. I thought that was a good translation to big screen. I thought it'd be uh, kind of hokey based on the trailers, but when I actually mm-hmm. watched it, it actually was a nice watch. Yeah, well, it was a good movie. It's, it's a good vehicle for him now, and he, he definitely, like I said, he's in the middle of filming the uh, the, the second one now. Uh, it talks of the third one. Lord knows Lee Child has, has, what, like 20 different uh, you know books in the Jack Reacher novels. I've read quite a few of them, so definitely uh, a, f- a fan uh, of his work, so... And they did do a good job, but that's what I'm saying. That translation from print to screen, it's not always what you'd expect. Sometimes yeah. you have successes like Tom Cruise. Other times it's like, you got to be kidding me. Matthew McConaughey as uh, Kurt, as uh, Dirk, uh, Dirk Pitt 
in Sahara. Matthew was... McConaughey's a great actor. He's not blue-eyed. He needs to have a blue-eyed character. You know, Conan, blue-eyed barbarian, all Schwarzenegger. Yeah, big body. But just the subtle things. Come on, you need to have continuity. You need to have the blue eyes. You need to have... It needs to have a look. It needs to match the look. Don't just mm-hmm. put the actor in to fill that look. It's a square pig in a round hole. It, it doesn't always work. Well, and that brings me to a point I wanted to ask you about. Let's just say you have like the the genre of, hey, this is a really good book series or really good uh, story, and we want to translate it out. One of the things I notice is that you can either go with trying to get your whole story to contain within a 90 or 100 or 120 minute movie or do what some people are doing like on TV shows and spread it over 13 hours. And you have 13 hours to spread this world. What do you see as being the trend going forward? Do you see more of these books being adapted to movies or do you see these movies or screenplays being adapted for like TV shows just so that way they can get, like you said, the continuity, the experience, just to bring in those two fans together? I think the way that, that uh, technology is, is moving forward, uh, Theatrical movies are, 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 I don't want to say that they're going to be passe, but it's going to be more of, 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 uh, of a, a sheer delight to do occasionally than uh, like people do today with movie theaters. I think the access to the digital format for movies, uh, pirated stuff, torrents that you can find through the Internet, a movie is released online the same day it's released in the theater, it's going to get to a point. You look, you have the series now, like Netflix, talking uh, uh, Daredevil, uh, 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 Jessica Jones. Uh, you got Power Man coming out. All these fantastic series that, yeah, they can make a nice two, two and a half hour series, but they know they're going to kill it with direct access. Make it, you know, film them all, have them readily available. That's the future. That's the way it's going to be. Movies, people, why they want to go out. They'll stay home. They'll make theater popcorn at home. Stay home. Save the gas. That's where it's going to be. Yeah, and that's, I, I, I can see that being the case, too, especially with things, you know, comic books or even book series. I mean, it was interesting. They did one, um, Shannara, um, was a huge book series, massive li- length, large books, and they're trying to do it as a TV series on MTV. Yeah, I, I was actually re- reading uh, an article on the website Blaster, B-L-A-S-T-R, uh, great website for information, uh, updated news on sci-fi and whatnot. Um, so that's a really great source of information. And just this morning I was looking at an article where they interviewed Perry Brooks talking to him about, you know, what he wants to do and how the MTV version came about. And he was happy the fact that John Favreau was involved and he saw the cast and he saw the writing and, you know, he was all for uh, the second series and, you know, making, you know, film versions, TV versions of his books. He realized this is, the, this is the best way to get as much of the story without diluting it too much for time. Because if you think about it with movies, it's all about how many tickets you can sell, but how many viewings you can have in the theater on that screen in one day. You have a movie that's a three-hour movie that's less... Show times, that's less money coming in, so they got to keep trimming it down to two and a half or two hours. More show times available with a shorter film. So that's why you have these great stories. You have all these elements of it, 
that unfortunately have to get trimmed down to what you see. And sometimes editing can only do so much. That's a good point. I didn't even think of that. Um, that it's really almost a matter of how many showings they can get out of it and, and a profit margin thing rather than a time constraint thing. Because, I mean, if you think about you know, Lord of the Rings, for example, yeah, it was a two-hour movie, but then they released it you know, you know, um, on DVD. They added about, what, an hour to it? Uh, to each yeah, one, I yeah. mean, and it was gorgeous and beautiful. I mean, they still, you know, did some variation from the book, but they made a good well, translation. Well, then keep in mind, yeah. uh, this is the one thing I remember about the other trilogy, because I only think there's only one real trilogy, um, is the fact that everyone loved that uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy. And they were like, Peter Jackson, you know, you could keep doing these movies. We'll go out and watch them until he did the Hobbit series. And I think the Hobbit series is probably what killed any more of those type of franchises to come back around again. Because I think well, I think no. I don't know. It grossed uh, several billion dollars, so uh, I'm sure we'll see so merrily in River. How do you pronounce that 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 little book that's floating around out there? I have it on my bookshelf. I've never read it, but people want to keep hearing the stories, and then they'll sell. I love you're talking about uh, books to movies. Um, with the original trilogy, uh, I my, my friend hates me to this day that I made him watch seventeen and a half hours of this movie, the extended editions, back to back to back <laughs> in an afternoon. But I have to say, when I saw these movies in the in the in, in the theaters, seeing them in three D, especially the third one, that battle over Minas Tirith. Mm. Oh, you talk about the original. You you talk about the original, right? I'm talking original. But, but you okay. See, you're looking down from above, bird's eye view of the battle going forth, right? You see the point of, of, the, of that, uh, of uh, the point of the cliff overlooking the battlefield below. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yep. So that, 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 that battle. So literally, I swear to God, no, no lie, I started to cry. Because looking at this, I, I, I felt like, uh, when Alexander gazed upon the breadth of his domain, he wept. There, there were no more worlds to conquer. We brought Tolkien to life on the big screen. I thought they did such a beautiful job of creating this world with these digital effects. I would gladly pay tooth and nail for any other Tolkien-esque movie that, that Jackson wants to uh, would care to make because they did such a beautiful job. Yeah, you know, he stretched it out to three movies for this one. He shouldn't have. Uh, the Hobbit itself, you know, could have been told in two. But I, but it was, I loved it. I thought they were fantastic. Well, I love the fact, too, for at least the, the Hobbit, the first one. Again, I think, and I'm not sure if this is where you come from, Ernie, with it, is that it didn't need to be a trilogy, or if you had some other issues with it. I know you kind of find them uh, at points a little less than exciting. Um, but... When you go into the first movie, The Hobbit, and you know me and my kids were reading The Hobbit before we went because we were like, "All right, let's see how accurate they're going to be." Mm-hmm. And you know, there's differences; they made changes, obviously. But the first scene in The Hobbit and the first scene in the book and the movie, dialogue-wise, are exactly the same. They literally took it off the freaking page, and my oh, son yeah. and I were in the theater going, "Oh my god! Oh my god!" So I mean. Those kinds of things when you've read the book and the director, no matter how the overall picture and the overall movie turns out, has that much passion that he's literally taking direct dialogue right from the book 
like word for word, and you're like, oh my god. You got to give him some credit for that, at least, oh, if nothing else. Definitely, definitely. <clears throat> well, yes. Now, oh. keep in mind this: that my exposure to that whole trilogy, and I hate that we're going off on a tangent about this about books and movies, but my first exposure to the Hobbit was that um, Rankin Bass cartoon that came out like late seventies, early eighties. <laughs> oh God! All right, oh, I, I love watched that. that one. I love the Baskin movies. Those they were fantastic. They yeah. weren't they fantastically drawn? Like they weren't CGI. Oh. They were hand drawn. You could see the mistakes. It was great watching them. And oh, then, I love those. And then my friend had said, "You know, these are books, right?" I'm like, "What?" And he gave me like his copies of the books, and I spent an entire summer rereading those books. And how he invented this whole world. Like, it, it was so, like, maybe this really did happen. Maybe there really is a Middle Earth. Like, the way he framed it. And then when I heard they were making it, like, a big-time production, and they were treating it serious, I was like, okay, I'm in. And I saw the first run, you know, the the first go, the Fellowship of the Ring. And I was like, okay, well... It drug on a little bit. There was a little too much walking, a little too much orchestration, a little too much like panning out and big crane helicopters, swooping shots. And I get it. He's trying to, you know, give us like the vastness of this of this venture. <clears throat> but to me, it was kind of like, uh, you know what? It doesn't really feel the same like I did when I watched the cartoon. Like, I don't know if there was a, 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 a generational gap there or like you said, like I thought that third movie um, – what was the third movie called? Um, uh, of the original trilogy? Yeah, the original trilogy. Return of the King. Return of the King. Great movie. I mean, it could have had ended like two times before it actually ended. Because I thought the yeah. first fade out, I thought it was done. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute, there's more. <laughs> and then it was like another 45 minutes, and then I'm like, okay, it faded out again. Now it's time to go? Oh, no, wait, 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 there's more. <laughs> you know, it was, it was like... <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was a little little much, but uh, still, though, I mean, you got the emotion of it, just that, yeah. the, you know, it was just, you know, everybody was, was would say negative things, but you can see it's pure love between the characters of, you know, that, that trust, that brotherhood, that... The, that shared, uh, you know, shared connection from, you know, surviving, you know, horrible, you know, it's such a series of, of events, you know? Yeah. And, and, and like you said, that battle scene, like, I remember reading about the battle kind of similar to, like, the second set of trilogy, the Battle of the Five Armies. Like, in my mm-hmm. mind, reading the book, I had an idea of what that might have looked like. And what Peter Jackson did in that first trilogy, in that mm-hmm. battle, I thought was just amazing. I thought it was amazing, like, when in the second movie, when they did that battle at, I forgot what that was, Helm's Keep or something like that? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that was insane. Yeah. I was like, there's no way you could top this. <laughs> and then he did it. I mean, I give him that. He He broke the bank on that one. But, man, I thought that second one, the Battle of Minas Tirith, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was some beautifully done graphics, and I mean, it wasn't, and it's funny too, because you think of that, okay, you think of that and you compare it to like a 300, for example, artistically just as beautiful, but totally different in directions of beauty versus gore, but still has that artistic quality to it, and it's just amazing how you, there isn't, if you look at it, there is like almost no blood, no, you know, there's a little severed heads here and there, but you create a whole war 
without killing anybody, quote unquote. I thought that yeah. was kind of impressive. You don't have to show point. it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't and have to see it. And it's all CGI, so it's, you know. But the cool thing, though, is the CGI in that movie, and movies after that movie, too, was if, if the CGI stands out so much, then it doesn't make the movie work. It has to be CGI that works. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like I mean, like uh, Hugh Jackman in uh, Van Helsing? Yeah. Yeah. With, 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 with a horse, <laughs> uh, a stagecoach and a horse jumping a cliff? Yeah. 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 <laughs> but well, what for, am me, I for me, the... For me, the biggest, the biggest bomb. Well, it's not a bomb because it's still making money. I think there's another movie coming out. Uh, the Transformers CGI disasters. Ugh. Oh yeah, yeah. A, a Japanese samurai uh, robot. Okay, I can see the you know them picking up the Japanese samurai uh, robot form. Okay, I can see that. Dinosaurs. Okay, yeah, I, I can see that. It's just so. It's just so bad. <laughs> it's just so bad. Yeah. And you I know what, one of my one of my favorite movies. This is a guilty pleasure movie. Not many people like it, but uh, F them. I really don't care. <laughs> What's that? Uh, Howard the Duck. <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan of Howard the Duck. I love it, George Lucas, dude. My brother. And <laughs> embrace I, I the love duck. It. Kim Robbins. Oh yeah. Where he escapes in the ultralight. Hey, <laughs> oh. welcome back, Phil. Great to be back, Howard. <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> that is pretty twisted. I <laughs> love that movie. It's a shame it came out. I think uh, what's his name? What it did? I think I think yeah. that was a shame because then, like a year later, um, Roger Rabbit came out and everyone forgot about Howard the Duck. Yeah, exactly, exactly. If they made it animated, which there are talks of, of redoing it properly with proper CGI with a proper CGI Howard again. I'm I'm standing in line. I I I support George Lucas in that respect. Well, yeah. I, I did yeah. I did I did like I did like that 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 version. I do have to say. Well, to be fair too, they I'm did weird. show a bit. No, because it's a good, it's a good concept. Because I showed a touch, a hair of it. If you remember in that extended scene of Guardians of the Galaxies, they exactly, showed exactly. Howard. They showed Howard. Exactly. I would watch that Howard. That was a good looking uh-huh. Howard. That was yeah, a handsome exactly. duck right there. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Dude, it was it was such a mistimed movie. I I, I still say that one, uh, the the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. Um, oh, that's another of my favorites. Oh, dude, it's no matter it was, where you where you where you are, there. It was no matter where you go, there you are. <laughs> I mean, John Lithgow and Peter Weller. I mean, who? I mean, come on. How can you not like a movie with those two guys in it? Exactly, exactly. Wow, exactly. It, it it falls it falls into that same category of those weird '80s movies that it's like they had such quip and people still use and talk about them to this day. You know, and and, and and you see it in other yeah. movies. You see yeah. it in other movies. There's always a reference to it in something, which mm-hmm. is cool. It's, yeah. it's a tip of the hat. And that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, that's yeah. fun. So with Howard the Duck, did you ever get a chance to read those um, graphic novels? Or did you just see the movie and it was just like, oh, this is a cool movie? Well, I knew of Howard the Duck. I, I had seen the comics. Um, 
I was aware of the comics, I guess I should say, uh, but I never actually read any of them. You know, um, I'd seen them, I flipped through them, but I just never... See, with, with, with comics, I, I, I collected comics when I was in high school. Um, for about three, four years, five years, I have a collection of stuff, uh, and that's about it. I, I hadn't really followed stuff in years. It wasn't, you know, I pick up stuff every now and then, so I, I guess maybe I lose some uh, nerd cred for uh, for that, but I, I still try to stay on top of things. Well, to be you know? fair, because I, I mean, we talk about this occasionally, too. Ernie and I try to stay on top of stuff, too, in the comic world, but it's like... Hmm. It's just... Everything changes every other year. Yeah, the it's new, just so the new much. DC, even newer mm. DC. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, here's a new DC. It, yeah, it, it, gets, it gets too confusing. Yeah, yeah. I just actually finished, just finished reading the uh, multiverse story of Spider-Man, which actually was pretty good. Um, my friend loaned me their multi, their graphic novel of all the comics in one. I'm um, like, mm-hmm. and the prices are outrageous. Like, see, I think he paid like seventy bucks for the thing or eighty bucks for the thing. It was like crazy. But it was like every comic that was part of the series. It was great, but it's like half the stuff in there, you know, is from other comics and you know it's from other universes. And you're like, all right, I know I'm missing out on so much here. I mean, I'm just going to enjoy the story for what it is, but I know there's more that I'm just totally missing out on. Yeah. It just, uh, it just, I, I, mean, I, I, I try to look at some. I, I go into uh, Tate's comics. In uh, in Lauderhill, and uh, I just look at the wall of stuff, and it just shake my head, and it's like, oh my god, how, how can you catch up? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah daunting. Where do where do you even start? I mean, that's the biggest thing is where do you even start? You know, and time is is a valuable thing. You know, it's yeah. you don't have much of it, so you got to use it for what's the most important. But if you were to catch up, I mean, I'll ask this of everyone: if you were to catch up on a specific comic or a specific mm-hmm. character in comics, what would be your first choice? What would be, I need to catch up, I'm gonna, if I had the time to do it, which one would you catch up on first? Oh, God, that's, that's a difficult uh, question. Which, which uh, kid you love the best? Um, I mean, there's so many series, X-Men, Wolverine alone. I mean, yeah, I'd I, almost want to do that one because I know it, quote-unquote, ends if you will, it's spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't read the comics, but, I mean, with the Death of Wolverine series, you know there's an end there. And, yeah, he comes back in some weird form, blah, 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 but um, it, it is an end. There is a finite point there, and it's like, well, at least I know where it ends. And you can kind of base it around that. Yeah, but we all know comics is just the second act of a story. We all know that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, I, I, I don't know what the third act is, but they'll never finish that act, I don't think. Are, are, are you telling me that, that Wolverine dies? <laughs> <laughs> you, are, you are kidding, right? <laughs> <laughs> no! no! <laughs> I know, I know, I know. In a stupid way from what I was, what I heard, but, yeah. He's always dead until he's not. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, Second act. Well, and that's the thing, too, that I keep telling, uh, keep talking to people about when they talk about um, the superhero movie genre and how the superhero movies don't match the comic book stories. And I'm like, dude, every major, the two major, the two big boys, DC and Marvel, both believe in the multiverse concept. You know they do. They've mentioned it thousands yeah. of times. Who's to say the story they picked is from the classic universe that everybody knows? It could be from an alternate universe storyline. You don't know. They ain't going to tell you, so don't worry about it. Just enjoy. 
Well, that's why I try to I just take it for what it is, and I take everything that that the DC Marvel Universe uh, throw at me with a grain of salt, and know that uh, they're going to get my money. You know, there's no point in resisting. Uh, you know, uh, 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 their ticket purchase is pretty much guaranteed. Yeah, right. You know, for pretty so, much anything. Yeah, so I could deal. Yeah, I could deal. Absolutely. Well, it's <laughs> it's been a real pleasure having you on. Definitely friend of the podcast. Is there anything you'd like to plug before we, every of us, go home and go to bed? Because I'm tired. Well, actually, <laughs> I am working on a project now for a Kickstarter campaign. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm actually doing something for a book of poetry that I've been working on for the last 30 years. <laughs> um, I've compiled a book of poetry, and literally, I just have to do a video. Uh, so I'm reaching out to some friends to get some uh, help uh, to do a video for myself for Kickstarter. And uh, within the next uh, couple of weeks, I'm hoping to have uh, my Kickstarter campaign up. And uh, hopefully, uh, if uh, people hear this, maybe they'll uh, like some of my poems. I'd be more than happy to share some. Uh, oh, I have, awesome. you know, we were talking about books before. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my poems uh, I actually wrote. Uh, well, uh, let me just read it to you. Okay, go ahead. It's called, it, it, it's called My Friends. Uh, they've been my friends, my companions, keeping me company when I needed it the most. Whether it's cold or raining outside, or even if it's as bright as a summer's afternoon, they are there for me. Some of them are big, some small. Some of them are long, while others are short. Yet no matter their size or shape, each one is perfect unto itself. Some make me laugh, while others make me cry, and while some frighten me, others console me. Each one is, is full of surprises, no two the same. They wait my call to enlighten, inform, entertain, and to teach. Each one a memory, a friend from long ago, till there are some whose acquaintance I have yet to make, whose adventures I have yet to begin. They sit on my shelves, my books, and I love them all. And that is how to end a podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. That's we'll, awesome. We'll, we'll I got, definitely, I got more. We'll, I got more. We'll definitely, where's, do we have a site yet for it, or will we, we'll, we'll talk more about that when you have the well, site up for Quick Kickstart. You got it. I mean, I, like I said, I'm just, uh, I'm, I have everything completed. Uh, we I just need to do a video and give them my credit card number to hopefully uh, start receiving uh, monies in. We'll see what happens. Awesome. But uh, but it's it's it, it, it's it's on it's it, it's on uh, on the way. Well, I'm I'm gonna go read a book, Ernie. I don't know about you, okay. but I'm definitely in the mood to now read a book or two. Um, I have a couple on my shelf that I want to read. But for right now, Ernie, if you do us the grand honors, as always, peace out. All right, thank you so much, Ron. Hit us up in our usual locations, and we'll definitely be talking to Ron again about more books and more fun. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye.